0: A man who's often had the weight of professional football on his shoulders. He seems to be everywhere talking about it all the time. The face of professional football in New Zealand, Jacob Spoonley, how are you? Oh, isn't he? What?
1: Good, lads. Uh, Just happy to save everyone from your mundane coffee chat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wednesday.
0: Uh, Jacob, are you you still in Wellington? You're at the airport?
1: Yes, we're currently in the Richards Hotel, um, mm. trying to duck and dive and avoid uh, some tourists leaving Wellington. But um, we're leaving this morning.
0: Leaving this morning, all right, mate. Well, it was a good game yesterday, a top of the table clash. I mean, Piney uh, several times referred to it as a, as a game of chess out there. How did you find it, and and how how, how difficult does it make it your job as a commentator when uh, teams are are being cagey? <laughs>
1: Yeah, look, it was a game that didn't give us too many highlights. There wasn't really uh, fire. There weren't really fireworks to speak of. But I think Ricardo, it was a huge, huge compliment that the Mariners played, paid, rather a depleted Wellington Phoenix. It, it did mean that we had to kind of focus on um, ancillary and and uh, speculative um, aspects of the game because it did end up being nil nil, of course, but. You could see what each coach was, one, concerned with because they didn't want to allow the other an option in transition and that was respect of the threat that they brought. And then, two, wanted to ensure that their teams actually had the better chances in the second half. They didn't want to concede a lead. And they realized that the first goal was critical in actually coming away with the result yesterday. And I thought it wasn't necessarily the best game in isolation. But if we get um, another um, confrontation between these two sides, particularly in the playoffs, I think we're going to look back at this game and say, this is where they felt each other out. This is where they tried to understand where the weaknesses were.
2: Jacob, defences wins titles. That's always a saying that I was said in, in my teams that I've been a part of. If you get the defence right, and show a lot of heart and desire to, to be defensively sound. You could go a long way to win this championship. Well, defensively, when you think of the Phoenix, they have been defensively impressive this year. What, what have you put it down to why they've been able to limit, you know, the top scoring side in the league like the Central Coast Mariners to nil?
1: Well, I think there's, there's kind of three key points to this, Izzy. And the first is that um, I think Giancarlo Italiano has instilled and infused confidence in the side. He believes in them, and that's starting to um, to affect the players. That there's a lot more confidence in this team. So that's the first part. The second, I think, is the addition of Adam Griffiths, who has come across from Australia as a former A-League player. He was the head coach of Melbourne United in the NSW NPL. He then went up and became the assistant of Western Sydney Wanderers with Marco Rudan, did a great job there, and that's where the Phoenix actually plucked him from. And quietly amongst the group, you're hearing about the manner in which he's setting up this team to be really stubborn. They are happy to defend deep, and they are happy to frustrate um, when the other team does have a period of sustained pressure. Now, the third part, and this is really key for me, Izzy, is that the Phoenix are defending, and they're defending well with young players, young Kiwi players. So Alex Paulson in goal, we know Mm. um, the headlines that he's grabbed this season. But if you look across the back line, He's joined by Finn Sermon, our under-23 captain, who is still only 20 years old. And then at left-back, again, he was deployed yesterday up against some very pacey and direct wingers. But Lucas Kelly-Hield is still only 18. And I think it's very easy to forget the confidence that the Phoenix are playing with, and that's a result of the way in which they've been set up, but also the confident young players that they are achieving these results with and keeping teams at arm's length and maintaining their position at top of the table.
2: Yeah, I saw a photo yesterday. Today's Phoenix men's squad featured 11 Wellington Phoenix Football Academy graduates with seven of those getting minutes in round 12 draw with the Mariners. They posed with a fo- uh, photo of with former Academy Director Steve Coleman before he leaves for his adventure in the United States. So the pathways the Academy... Is absolutely flying, mate, and, and how like that? That that must be impressive from a Phoenix supporter knowing that they don't have to go offshore. Their own academy is providing and pro- proving to be successful.
1: Absolutely, and I think this all comes down to a plan that was um, provided to the A League around about ten years ago now. So this doesn't happen overnight, and I think the investment mm-hmm. into the academies happened five or six years ago. But if we go back to that report. It came from former executive of the Premier League, Richard Scuddermeyer, and he put in place four key pillars that the A-League needed to observe. Now, we're not saying they've observed all of them because they've faced their own troubles recently. But first and foremost, he said that the connection with the fans, the way in which you weave clubs into the tapestry of their communities isn't through the marquee player. It isn't through the player that earns a lot and that can... Um, that can bring you kind of uh, uh, headlines uh, and, and columns in the newspaper. It's actually through the young player that has come up through the community, the player that a lot of fans know and have potentially played against, the hometown boy or girl come good. And what we're seeing, and it's in growing pockets in the area, because I think you've got to include Central Coast Mariners and Adelaide, um, is that they are starting to reap huge benefit from their academies. And it's great um, that the Wellington Phoenix um, are doing that as well now, and it's a huge contingent of this squad. A lot of credit has to go to not only Steve Coleman but to Paul Temple, and in particular the Chris Greenacre, because I think they have been the key people that have marshaled these youngsters through their development and the transition into professional football. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can see that with Adelaide. They've just sold, I can't remember the guy's name now, but the keeper, a uh, young keeper, just gone to Aston Villa. And uh, last, uh, earlier in the season, they sold a uh, strike, young striker up to Newcastle United as well. So that it's definitely paying dividends. And and that kind of works into my next question, Jacob, and that's about the squads. Yesterday, uh, the, the two benches, were very young. In fact, there was only one player on both benches over the age of 23. Uh, are you seeing that mirrored throughout the league or is that just two teams that maybe you've got a few injury issues and and, and things are looking <laughs> a little thin?
1: I think um, I think that's kind of par for the course. Central Coast um, do like to give their players that experience and, and allow them to kind of see professional football up close and then put them in and controlled periods of games for the phoenix it's slightly different um and if you actually look at their bench yesterday the oldest player was 20 years old finn conchi who came on in the second half and then outside of him they had three 19 year olds a 17 year old ricardo and a 16 year old so um i don't think you can say that's by design mm. um and what the phoenix i think were missing uh was the ability to change game the change of game and i um, I think they've done that really well over the course of the season. Um, they've got a lean squad, but they've used it very effectively. But yesterday, uh, we did see the absence of, in particular, Oscar Zavada. It's really hard to replace 20 goals in 34 games. But also the likes of Nico Pennington, Mohamed Al Tay, and Sam Sutton. Those are players with a lot of A-League experience, um, and they've been used to good effect by Italiano um, to bring a lot of energy, in particular, into the midfield. And if we just return to Oscar Zavada. Um, I think yesterday was a game that was tailor-made for him. Had you put Brian Caltech up against Oscar Zavada, I think you would have created a lot more space for the other players in the Phoenix, the likes of Ben Old and Costa Barbarossa. And I think you probably would have worn down Brian Caltech because he was so instrumental in seeing off the Wellington Phoenix's uh, attacks and entries into that final third. But the big pole might have changed things and been a difference yesterday.
2: Just uh, in in regards to fatigue, they played Friday, they played yesterday, and now again this Saturday they take on Western Sydney, who are one of the the bottom sides on the table. How do they make sure fatigue isn't too much of a factor leading into this weekend? Was there a bit of fatigue in yesterday's performance?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Uh, Izzy. I think that's a great point. Um, I think the Phoenix put themselves in the window to to go and chase the result at the end. As we said, they didn't quite have the legs and they didn't have the horses to do that. Um, but I think we saw from both the Phoenix and Central Coast Mariners the uh, the brilliant Waitangi Day afternoon sun set them of their energy. So it's another short turnaround um, into this weekend against Western United, um, who, although they are adrift at the bottom of the table, they haven't really um, been blown out this season. So um, I think we can expect the energy and the enthusiasm um, to actually come from the returning Nico Pennington, who's back from suspension. Uh, and hopefully we get to see Muhammad Al-Tay again. And I think those are two huge additions. Probably um, they will help amplify uh, the Phoenix and there'll be some hunger in there as well, because the Phoenix have drawn two games now and they need to come out and affirm that they should be top of the table and really set about um This Western United side and and show them absolutely um, no remorse.
0: Uh, Jacob, uh, Justin Salas is the the, the signing, the loan signing out of um, Costa Rica from Saprissa, the the Costa Rican champions. Uh, Is he going to be available for this next game?
1: Well, what we're hearing is that uh, he still has to travel to New Zealand and um, he has to have his visa processed. It sounded like, according to our wonderful print media that cover the Phoenix, that he'll be available for the MacArthur game, which is actually next week. So, okay. in terms of the cavalry arriving, Ricardo, um, unfortunately, he won't be here for this Western United game, it seems.
0: Okay, alright, well that's good to know. Uh, something else I wanted to ask you about, Jacob, is, you know, we, we're all uh, be, being fizzing for this Auckland A-League team, and I keep waiting for news, and we keep not getting any news. Um, and so, I'm wondering when we might see some more and then I look, and I see this story yesterday. All Whites defender Tommy Smith has signed uh, with A League club Macarthur until the end of the season. Now he is the second All White or former White to have done that. Rojas has done signed to the end of the season at Brisbane. Uh, former uh, Wellington Phoenix player Roly Bonavassi has signed to the victory till the end of this season. Short term, all these guys coming to this part of the world in short term deals. If you're a betting man. How much would you have on these three being part of the Auckland setup?
1: <laughs> Look, I, I'm I'm not sure, Ricardo, and I've got to say the Auckland team are doing a wonderful job of giving themselves time to assess players. Um, you're hearing bits and pieces through the rumour mill, but nothing um, confirmed at this stage. And what I think um, it speaks to is this. There's marrying of local, I'm sure that there will be local National League players, players that are in the under-20s and under-23s that will be given the opportunity by this Auckland side, and it'll be great to see players from Auckland being given an opportunity. But then there's a secondary market, and this is one that's kind of established over the last couple of years, but there are a number of New Zealand players that are overseas at the moment. um, And it provides um, a way to build this Auckland team without cannibalising the Wellington Phoenix, which I think is great because it means we're building this pool of professional players that are playing in our own backyard. So to answer your question directly, have to wait and see what the club does. They've got <laughs> multiple horses and multiple races at the moment, so I'm sure that their very small team is working around the clock to have not only announcements about stadiums and kits and logos, but also players confirmed but I'll just uh, round you out with this. Wouldn't it be great if each and every year we had as a fixture, as we do in other codes like the Anzac Day test, mm. Auckland versus Wellington on Waitangi Day, um, a midweek fixture that stands alone and allows us to celebrate our own
0: football. Mate, that'd be fantastic. I mean, we saw the difference it made yesterday, Izzy. I don't know if you picked this up, but the biggest crowd the Phoenix have had all season yesterday by about 3,000. Mm.
2: I-, I read that article, and that-, that makes a hell... They can have a whole... Well, pay their wages for a whole season once they get up to around nine thousand. I think I was reading. So, the the hunger in there, the desires there for football. Do you think you'll have the same desire and effect in Auckland there, Jacob?
1: Yeah, I think it will. Is he? Uh, um, I think provided mm. that Auckland sees itself represented in the club and on the field, um, Aucklanders will get behind it and. Um, Of course, they're going to have to use a a current stadium at the moment, but you've seen the way in which the announcement of this team has really pushed things, and it's not only with football. The stadium itself, the conversation about a downtown stadium has reignited. Um, And I think for me, as as I've said before on the show, it's not just about looking at Auckland and then Wellington. It's about looking at what Mm. they can do together because this is quite unique. Outside of Super Rugby, New Zealand doesn't necessarily have two professional teams um, in an Australian and New Zealand competition. Uh, and it's that key element. It's that kind of that tribalism that you really want to cultivate because I think that's what will stand football alone and allow it to to mature not only from an on-field perspective but also from a commercial off-field
0: perspective. Good stuff, Jacob. Thanks very much for coming on this morning, mate. We'll let you Cheers go and grab him. a decent coffee before you head to Wellington Airport. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And um,
1: yeah, wonderful to save your audience from the uh, flat white versus mocha chat. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Jacob's bootleg there with us, absolutely giving it to us. That's great.